Welcome to Evangel Church, where we believe in seeing changed lives changing lives. We can't stay here. These four words, little did I know that in the two weeks that we have started this series, this would be a statement, this would be a call and a cry rippling across our country in these areas that were vulnerable as you looked at each other as like, we can't stay here. We got to go. We got to get to safe ground. We got to get somewhere else where people are looking around, becoming urgently aware that where they are currently at is not the place they can remain. They have to move somewhere else. They have to move on. We can't stay here. This is something that we are going to learn and understand over the next few weeks what this means and what God is speaking to us as he is continuing to move and we are moving with him. So open your Bibles with me today to Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15, just to summarize where the story has transpired up until this point in time, there is a people, the Israelites, the people of God, and they were living in Egypt they had settled in Egypt. This happened hundreds of years earlier. And they had been brought into this land in a time of famine, in a time of crisis, in a time when they were experiencing what Pastor Marshall talked about as we prayed for the offering, a famine that went all around the world and they realized something. What did they realize in the land? We can't stay here. We can't live here. We can't thrive here. We have to go somewhere. I'm so thankful that when we come to that realization, God is always making a way to get us somewhere else then. God opened up Egypt by sending through a series of terrible circumstances, Joseph into Egypt to go into from a pit to a, a prison to the palace. And God was making a way. And so the people of God, the good news is they settled in Egypt. The bad news is they settled for Egypt. What I mean by that is they got into Egypt and the season came and the season went and the famine ended, but they settled for Egypt. But Egypt wasn't God's best for them. Church, we have to stop settling for less than God's best for us just because it's comfortable. We have to be willing to realize in the good times and the bad times as God is moving and we're looking to him, we can't stay here. As much as we like to, we can't stay here. I said it in one of our previous series when we touched on the children of Israel in the wilderness that today's complacency is tomorrow's captivity. That if we become complacent today, comfortable today, if we let our guard down, that tomorrow it could become our captivity. That's exactly what happened here. They became slaves. They settled for Egypt and they became slaves in Egypt. And now there's a big problem by the time we get to Exodus that the children of God, not only are they not moving forward in possessing what God has for them, but they're stuck in Egypt as slaves I'm so thankful, though, when we cry out to God, he hears us. He said, I heard the cry of my children, and I'm going to free them. They can't stay there. I have a plan and a purpose for them that's greater. And so God begins to enact a plan using a leader named Moses to lead them through. There's a series of plagues. You saw the movie. You have it on VHS, I'm sure, at home somewhere. Uh, you, 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 you get it. There's, there's a series of plagues. There's all kinds of things. And finally, Pharaoh lets the people go. 
And as they go, they're wandering through out of Egypt. They're fleeing. They're, they're taking everything. They realize it got into their hearts. We can't stay here. We can't stay in Egypt anymore. We're moving on to the place God promised us. One big problem. It's called the Red Sea. They get to the Red Sea. And there's now a wall in front of them of water. And they stand there, and behind them are all the armies of Egypt and Pharaoh and his chariots. He had a turn of heart, a change of heart. He's coming back for them. And as they stood there, they cry out to God again. Do you see the theme here? We cry out to God. He's always a God who makes a way where there seems to be no way at all. And they cry out, and Moses, in obedience, lifts his staff. And as he steps right there into the water of the Red Sea, it's parting. And what do they do? They walk through the Red Sea as though it was what? Dry ground. Because it was. They, they literally, God opened up the seas, and they passed through it on dry ground. Last night, like early in the evening, I'm praying about the message, and I'm praying like some of you pray. My eyes turned to Facebook. Come on, don't lie. <laughs> but I was. That was the goal of my time, and I'm looking at my Facebook feed. But I start seeing this weird video that starts showing up on everyone's Facebook timeline. And I'm praying about that. I mean, I'm in Exodus 15. I'm looking. I'm like, what in the world is going on? Did anyone see this video feed that's happened right off the shore of right around Florida? where Hurricane Irma is pressing in, as people went to a beach where there's normally millions of gallons of water, they come to the beach and there's no water. They can't find any water. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Look at this video. Do you see all the way out to that, to that like island out there, that mountain? Everything from there all the way to the front, that's all supposed to be water as far as you can see. And if you go after, please don't do it now. God has a word for you in this message after service. You go on YouTube, you go on Facebook, you will just see dozens of these videos of people out here in the middle of where an ocean should be. Hurricane Irma is so powerful, it sucked up the water from the ocean and left it as dry ground. People are walking in a place where no one in hundreds of years, I don't think, have walked. They're walking, in, and I'm watching the video feed, and they're coming across old anchors that are sitting there in the ground. They're walking out past where the buoys are, you know, the buoys that are hanging and the ropes. They're down there looking at where the giant posts are going down to the ground and pulling on them. They're out so far beyond the piers, as far as the eye can see, and there's no water to be found. They're walking on dry ground. Does this sound familiar? That's what it looks like normally. Do you see that island? Where did all that water go? Just sucked up. I had this eerie feeling as, as I'm watching this. Now, because I have my Bible open to Exodus 15, and I'm thinking, whoa, this is eerie. This is strange. This is, <laughs> this is something. And, and then I'm, I get this urgency in me. Because I realized there's supposed to be water there. And there are all these people walking around looking at conch shells and looking at all this stuff. Oh, can you believe this? And filming. And then I get this idea. Well, hold on. The water might be coming back. I'm like yelling. Like, get out of there. Get out. You can't stay here. You can't stay in the middle of that dry ground because it's going to close up at some point. I could imagine for just a moment what it really felt like. Because, church, this happened. The Red Seas opened in the same way that we see there. And people pass through it on dry ground. And I could imagine 
that same awe, that same wonder, that same feeling of like, what in the world is going on? And the Israelites are passing through. It's not 10 people passing through. It's multitudes passing through. You can imagine how interested they would have been to just kind of be there. Man, if they had Instagram and cell phones, half of them would have got buried. They've been selfieing and streaming it and doing all kinds of stuff. But just so fascinated. We don't think about those things. Not in the narrative, but they're humans. I can imagine them just kind of, well, but they, you know, there's an urgency in their step. You know why? Because they realize something. We can't stay here. As cool as this is, we can't stay here. We got to go. They pass through. But you, who did, you know who didn't make it out? The Egyptian armies. They got stuck there. What a danger to get stuck in a place where there's doom just waiting. A place so unsafe, so unhealthy. I mean, I don't need to convince you of what that would feel like because we're looking at this happening in our own country. There are places that, that like anyone that's there, we're just oh, praying God's protection. Like God, hold them right now. Like you can't stay there. We can't stay here. That's why people are fleeing by the tens of thousands. My prayer for us today is that as we walk into this passage and understand the principles from God's word, that God will quicken an urgency in us. It's sometimes easy to recognize those kinds of times and develop an urgency to move. But I want to tell you that some of us were stuck in places that are pretty dangerous. We don't even realize it. We have no idea of the harm that it's causing to us. We have no idea of the damage that is really there and is waiting in the place that we are stuck today. It might be a place you've been stuck at for a while. It might be a place that you've been camped at for decades. But here's my prayer is that today as our hearts are quickened, as we recognize it, that God would set his people free today in the presence of, of God in, in the midst of us gathering together, that there'll be a freedom that's just kind of loosed over us. Amen? Amen. Like we would just recognize and we would just move with that same urgency towards the place that God has for us. So that's, that's why we're in Exodus 15. So we're going to catch up in verse 22. Here's what it says. They get through the Red Sea. It's exciting, celebration. Verse 22, then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea. Someone say hallelujah. That's amazing. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and they found no water. Sometimes after a life-changing spiritual encounter sometimes on the other side of that miraculous circumstance god may lead us and allow us to walk right into a season of dryness we got to be ready for that we want the peaks to peaks to peaks but i want you to know peaks are peaks because there are valleys on each side of them you understand that right there are, there are valleys that are there, and here's what I'm so thankful for. God reminds us again and again, he's God in the peaks, and he's God in the valley. He's still the same no matter what the altitude is, but there are valleys. There are dry places. And what happens sometimes is we get stuck in those places. Man, we get stuck not for three days, some of us for three decades. And it's in that place that the enemy is robbing, still stealing, destroying it's there that our life is just being drained from us. It's there that we're just living and settling for so much less than God has for us. It's there. 
in the wilderness of Shur that I believe God wants to rescue somebody from today. So let's look at that for just a moment here. This word, Shur, the wilderness of Shur. In the Bible, there are names given to places that would have a stronger meaning that would really symbolize and represent what that place was all about. The word sure that was used there, when you would look at it in the Hebrew language, it meant wall. Wall. Sure meant wall. So they're in the wilderness of Shur where they're literally hitting up against a wall. They're walking. They can't find water. They can't find their provision. They can't find what they need. They're stuck in that place, and they don't know what to do or where to go. Have you ever been in a place like that before? You're kind of looking for something. You're not finding anything. You could feel hopeless. You could feel frustrated. You could feel disappointed. As I use some of those words, those are triggers that you might be in the wilderness of Shur. You might be in that place where you're hitting that wall not sure where to go, not sure what to do. You just feel like you're not getting the relief from the, the issue that's at hand and you're just stuck in that place. And it's in that place that God had them. And as they're in that wilderness, there's a place that the Lord then allows them to go. Verse 23, it says, when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah for they were bitter. Therefore, it was named Mara. Like I told you, they named places after what they represented. So Mara means what? Bitter. Yeah, you got that one. Shur means wall. Mara means bitter. They hit the wall. And you know what happens when we hit the wall enough? Bitterness. Bitterness kind of exists right around those places of frustration, disappointment, where we feel stuck those become bitter places. There's a bitterness in the water of Mara. The people, what they consume in that place is just bitter. They're there. They can't take it in. They can't find sustenance. They can't find life in it. And they're stuck in that place. And I'm so thankful that we have this account in God's word because God's showing us not just that those times and those places exist in our lives, but that we can get out of them, that we can find freedom from them, that God can bring us to a better place if we settle for not staying here. So that's what we're going to talk about for just a few moments. How to move from bitter to better. How to move from that place. Maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you don't think you're there, but by the, by the really work of the Holy Spirit in your life as you hear the word of God, perhaps he might show you, I'm camped out in Mara today. They camped out there. They're there. They're suffering. They're looking. Here's how we move from bitter to better. There are three things that I see from God's word and from this passage of scripture. The first one is this, that you cannot, don't forget God's faithfulness. That's the first key that you need if you're going to get from bitter to better. Do not forget about God's faithfulness. Some of you are like, amen, that's some good, you know, preacher talk. Like that's, that's what we say. No, listen, that's not just that. That is literally a prescription because the sum of so many of the issues that are at the heart of what the people of God are doing to break God's heart isn't just in their sin. It's what's behind the sin. The reason they're sinning is because of this. They forgot God's faithfulness. They forgot about it. And you're like, man, how foolish can they be? They just walk through the Red Sea. I mean, it's like literally right there in the chapter. They walk through the Red Sea. They get to the other side of it. They don't see any water. Three days goes by. And here's what they do. Verse 24, and the people grumbled to Moses, what are we going to drink? 
Where are we going to find something? What are we going to do now? It's like they're, they're there. They go through the miraculous, but soon as it's out of their sight, it's out of their mind. They forget. Who's going to help us now? Who's going to save us? Hello, who opened the Red Sea for you? Who parted the waters and you Who sent the play? Like, who is Lord over this whole season that you're walking through? You say, yes, they should have got it in their head. Guess what? I'm just as foolish as them, and so are you. And you're like, Pastor, don't say it like that. No, I'm serious. We're, 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 we're there. That's us. Don't tell me that you haven't turned around after seeing God's hand is provision on these things, and you hit that first road bump. God, where are you? Where are you? Well, look at this. Look at what's happening. Like, like, what's going on? You know what's happening in those moments? You're just you're forgetting just how faithful he is because your circumstance is trying to tell you something different. Don't forget, just remember back. I, I, I'm a big advocate for, for journaling, for writing, for just remembering those things. You know why? Some, someone needs to just start a journal today, tomorrow. And every time God just moves in your life, just write it down and put it somewhere that is so close by to you. So you could just grab it off the shelf whenever you're going through this kind of season when you're in Mara. Yeah, okay. Lord, I wanted to doubt that you're with me, but look, boom, boom. And the longer you do that, you have books, you have volumes of God's faithfulness in your life. Talk to someone here today. You've been in the faith 20, 30, 40 years, man. You got encyclopedias. You got libraries full of God's provision, his hand. Come on, somebody. Give God praise if that's you. Like, you know that you know that you know that he's been faithful. But I want to tell you, when you get to Mara, you want to forget. I think everything around you wants to forget that God is faithful, that he has maybe forgotten you. That's what you were going to start thinking, start wondering. Don't give in to it. Don't forget God's faithfulness. The people didn't get what they expected, and then they failed to trust God to provide it. That's the sin. That's the disobedience. Ever since the Garden of Eden, this has always been a formula for disobedience, is that somehow God doesn't meet our expectations, and we then start doubting that he can meet our expectations, that he can provide for us, that he can do what he alone has always been able to do. It was the thing that opens the door to disobedience in our lives, because then we just try to take it into our own hands. It starts with not forgetting the faithfulness of God. Disappointment has the potential to cause us to forget that God is faithful and that God is good. Bitter places, hear me, bitter places can have this effect on us where it actually makes us bitter as a result of it. See, Mara was a bitter place. The people weren't bitter when they got into Mara, but the longer they stayed in Mara, I'm telling you, the longer you camp out in Mara, Mara isn't just the bitter place. You become a bitter person. You become bitter as a result of it. I want you to think about the place that you are is the place that you are planted. The Bible talks about this in Psalm 1, that we're planted. Where you're planted matters. You're planted in a church, it matters. That you're planted in a community, that you're planted in right friendships. Like Those things matter because where you're planted, your roots grow down. Where your roots grow down, that's what's sustaining you. That's what's feeding you. When you're planted in Mara, what is feeding you? Bitterness. Bitter water is feeding you. Let me show you this in, in Scripture. We look here at Ruth chapter 1. In Ruth chapter 1, we have a woman named Naomi. Naomi goes through some challenging circumstances, loss, grief, pain, disappointment. And in the midst of all of that, as she's sustaining it, here's what she says to the people around her. She said, don't call me Naomi. She told them, call me Mara. Because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. 
Do you see it? When we remain in Mara too long, we become Mara. When we remain in the bitter place too long, we become bitter. When we allow that to seep into us, it changes us. You don't have to go to the DMV and get a new ID that has the name bitter on it. Everyone around you already knows, okay? Don't worry about that. Like, we know, like, we know it's changing us. We may not recognize it, but it's changing us. That place happens, and, 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 and it happens to us so often, doesn't it? It happens that the longer we stay there, the more it can become painful. It can become transforming in all the wrong ways. The first step is to not forget the faithfulness of God if you're there. God's rescued us from so much deeper than that. He can do it again. We can lift our eyes to him again. If you're in Mara today, if you feel trapped there, if you feel the roots have gone down, I'm believing today for God to bring rescue as you know that he's a God who is faithful and he can do it. The second thing we need to do is we have to look to God instead of losing heart. Look to God instead of losing heart. This is so vitally important. You know why? Because when we go through the circumstance, when we go through the bitter times, when we go through the wilderness of Shur and we're hitting the wall and we're standing in that bitter place, all we want to look at is our circumstance. We want to look at the wall. We want to look at the mountain. We want to look at the challenge. We want to look at the diagnosis. We want to look at the lack. We want to look at the bill. We want to look at everything else. And you know what happens when we look at every single one of those things? We lose heart. We just lose heart. It's like it just drains out from us. Come on, somebody, you go home to, to one of those challenges that I've just mentioned, and you could have all the faith. You could have sang the songs of the choir. You could have, and then you just see it. It's just, oh, you feel like the wind gets taken out. You know, what that, you know what's happening? You're losing heart. Just draining. Like, ah. We look at our circumstances long enough. This is what happens. We have the potential, the longer we stare at a molehill, I promise you it'll become a mountain. The longer we stare at it, the longer you stare at that challenge, the bigger it becomes. Go and look in Numbers 13. Go look at the children of Israel scouting out the land. They start looking at them, and they see them as, oh, they're kind of challenging. By the time they get back from the scout, they were giants in the land. We were grasshoppers. And what does the Bible say? And then they became grasshoppers. Like, that happens. The more we look to, the more we look at, the more we fix our eyes, our gaze, our worry, our anxiety, the bigger it becomes. But I'm so thankful that the opposite is true as well. The longer we stare at God, the mountain becomes a molehill. The more we look to him, the greater we see that he's a God who can cast the mountain into the sea, that can calm the storm, that can provide. The longer we look at God, you know what happens? Those circumstances that seem impossible become possible. Those things that seem that they were so big, God realigns them. He changes your perspective. You see just how small they are compared to how great our God is. So look to God and you won't lose heart. Look to your circumstances. It'll drain right out of you. We have to look to him. It's so vitally important we look to him. This is what we see happening. This is the leadership that we see under Moses in verse 25. It says this, then Moses cried out to the Lord. I'm so thankful that wherever you are today, if you cry out to the Lord, he hears you. He hears you. And then what did the Lord do? He showed him something. It says he looked to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. And what does he do? He picks up the tree and he threw it into the waters and the waters became sweet. And then there, 
the Lord made a statute and a regulation, and there the Lord was testing them. So you're thinking, okay, what, what just happened, Pastor? He cried out to the Lord. He looked to God, and I want to tell you, when you lift your eyes to God, no matter what you're walking through, no matter what season you're in, no matter what wall is in front of you, when you look to him, we see God making a way where there is no way. He's always a God who makes a way through. It may seem so improbable. It may seem so impossible. It may seem so counterintuitive, but it's God's hand at work, and God showed him a tree, and God made water sweet from a tree. You say, I wouldn't have guessed that God could do that. I wouldn't guess that that would be what could happen. But when we look to God, this is what he's doing. He's always making a way. What did Jesus say? He said, if you, can, if you have seen the Father, finish that statement. If you've seen the Father, you've seen what? If you've seen me, that's actually what he said. That's on me. Sorry about that. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And the vice versa is true, I guess, as well. So good. We're not heretical yet. Um, Jesus says, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And when we go into the New Testament, this is what the author of Hebrews says. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Pioneer and perfecter, the one who went ahead, who went before who for the joy set before him endured the cross, catch this, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Here it is. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners that you will not grow weary and what? Do you see it? Fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, and when you do that, you won't lose heart. We look to God, we look to Jesus, and we won't lose heart. Our faith will be filled. God will move in our lives. We look to him. Do you know why? It says it right there. Do you know why we could look to him? And in our, no matter what you're walking through, no matter what you've been through, when you look to him, there's always a way out. Do you know what the way is? It's the same thing that Moses saw. It says when he looked to God, God pointed him to a tree. When you look to God today, he points you to a tree on a hill called Calvary where his son bled and died for the sins of humanity. And when they pierced his side, blood and water came out. But there was a sweetness to it. It wasn't sour. It wasn't bitter because it was for our forgiveness of our sins. I want you to know whenever the cross of Jesus Christ met my life, it made everything that is bitter and broken and distorted sweet. Experiencing his grace and forgiveness, experiencing his redemption, experiencing the life he has. God's provided a tree. And when that hit the waters of your soul, it changed you. It changed me. Oh, God's always making a way no matter what it is that we're walking through. Mara isn't our final destination. Mara isn't the place that we're meant to live in camp. But we look to him when we're there. And we're reminded he's done it before. He will do it again. Come on, somebody. I know it, and I know it. Don't grow weary. Some of you are weary. Don't grow weary. Don't lose heart. Look to him. Jesus, he, for the joy set before him, the Bible says. You know, it was his joy to endure everything that he endured. You know why? Because he knew he was rescuing you. He was redeeming you. 
He was forgiving. He was doing what you could never do. If not, we're stuck in Mara. If not, we're stuck there. We have no hope. We have no future. Jesus made a way where there is no way. The Bible says, see to it. A little while later in that passage. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. It says, don't miss the grace of God. Don't miss what Jesus has done for you. Don't miss that God's making a way. If we miss it, if we stay in Mara, do you know what happens? A bitter root grows up and it causes trouble and it defiles many. What I say, where we're planted, we're rooted, where the roots go down, that's what happens. When we carry disappointment, offense, unforgiveness, unresolved issues like that, it, it stews in us and it becomes internalized and it becomes a bitter root that the Bible talks about. And that grows into us. I want to tell you, do you want to, you know, Mara is a bitter root factory. Mara is a place where that's just happening. That's just kind of being fostered. That's thriving. But the Bible says it doesn't just cause trouble and hurt you. It causes trouble and defiles many. See, what happens there, what happens in you doesn't stay in you. It hits others. It affects others. It defiles many. This is what happens when we're stuck in Mara. This is what happens when we, when we have these things and, 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 and we can carry them for too long. Oh, but the Lord, when we look to him, we don't have to lose heart today. And as you look to him, I just feel that your heart would just become full again, that God will begin to work, that God will begin to relieve, that God will begin to set free, that God will begin to allow a sweetness back in and that your spirit could even just begin to be transformed in his presence that you would be changed. Don't forget God's faithfulness. Look to God and don't lose heart. Finally, obey God through the obstacles. Obey God through the obstacles. So what we look at here, and this is where it becomes counterintuitive. If it's counterintuitive then, when he literally parted the Red Sea, it, it will be counterintuitive to you at times as well. Um, where you pray and you look and you cry out to God and what is being provided and what you look at makes no sense at all. Lord, why am I, like, I asked you for clean water and you gave me a tree. What am I to do with a tree? Like, I can almost imagine me there. Lord, we need clean water. Lord, just help us a well. Help us give some drilling equipment. Get something. A tree. Okay, God, did you hear me? I need clean water. I don't need a tree. It's in a horticulture class. Like, come, you know, it's like, there's the tree. No, like, we don't need the tree. I can imagine maybe if it's me, it might have got into the water because I was so frustrated. I just threw it in the water. Like, I don't want that. You know, and then the water became clean. Like, that's me. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Throw the water. Like, th that doesn't make sense to me. There are going to be things that happen that are counterintuitive. But here's the deal. For you to obey, you don't have to understand. You have to trust. You have to trust. And so as you're praying, as you're seeking him, as you're crying out for him, allow your heart to be open. God may put something in your heart, something in front of you. You say, I don't know how that's going to make any difference at all, God. Obey him in that moment. Obey him in that step. Watch what God does. Some of us, we're not seeing the waters parted because we're not willing to take these steps of obedience because we don't understand them, thinking somehow God's supernatural power and sovereignty is limited to our understanding. I will follow you as much as I can understand you, God. That is not the way to live by faith. You, you just allow whatever that is, whatever door he desires to open, whatever he sets in front of you, 
Move as you're crying out to him. Move in obedience through those obstacles. We get stuck at the obstacle. But I just believe time and time again, God's word tells us he doesn't bring us into situations without ways out. They may seem like there's no way out, but he's always making a way where there is no way. He's always opening ways. What we must do is trust him. We must pray. We must seek him. We must remember his faithfulness and then move in obedience as he puts something in front of us. And when we do that, God does exceedingly abundantly more. God was testing them in this moment. He was teaching them lessons about obedience. Here's what he says in verse 26. He says, he said to them, if you give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God, if you do what's right in his sight, if you give ears to his commands, if you keep his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. He said, this is what I will do for you. But what, what is all of the things that he prescribed to them? Obedience. Obedience pleases the heart of God. In fact, God tells them, people are trying to do all kinds of things to impress him, and he has to come back again. They, they would give him what anyone else would be impressed by. God, you know, giving him all this money, all these offerings, all these sacrifices. God says, do I not desire obedience more than sacrifice. I, I know you're doing all these things. I know you're writing big checks. I know you're doing all this. Like you're making all this good. But really what I want is just your obedience. I don't want all that. Like everyone else is impressed by that. I'm not impressed by that. I'm impressed by the obedient things you're doing when no one's looking. That's what I'm impressed by. That's what moves my heart. That won't preach well, but that's the truth. That's what, that's what pleases his heart, obedience. So we've got to obey him even through the obstacles, even when it's difficult, even when it doesn't feel right, even when we don't want to. Come on, somebody. We just don't want it. It's hard. I don't want to do that. If we don't, we're stuck. We're stuck in Mara. God was teaching them something. God doesn't lead us into these places to, to torture us. I need you to know that. He brings us there to teach us something. He, like, here's what I love, is that Mara was not a place that the people of Israel went because they were disobedient. Mara was a place that they went in their obedience, in their following God. They're walking. We can't stay here. Let's come out of the Red Sea. We can't stay there. Let's go here. It wasn't like they, they made a misstep and ended up in Mara. Somehow, Mara was along the route. It was there on the journey. Therefore, God had a purpose in Mara. Some of you need to know, this is going to be the most freeing thing I say today. God has a purpose in Mara. God has a purpose in the painful season that you're walking through. God has the power to redeem it. God has the power to turn it around. He's going to do something through it. I want you to know God has the power to take the bitter and make it better. Make something better. Not just it. Make you better. He has a way of taking the bitter and making you better as a result of it. He leads you through it. It's a place where he's growing us. He's teaching us. He's stretching us. Pastor Rick, you can come up and with the worship team at this time. God allows that. And oftentimes, it's the bitter that closely precedes the better. It's right there. We got to get through the bitter. We got to get through the challenge. We got to get through the wall. We got to get through the obstacle. But God's at work. He's waiting. He's there in the midst of it. But if we're stuck in Mara, we're not getting there. If we're camped out in Mara, in the wilderness of Shur, we're just hitting the wall. We're just stuck there. We're never going to get to the place that God has for us. We're going to settle in Mara and settle for less. Some of you know what that feels like. It's miserable. It's miserable. 
you don't feel like you're the person you used to be because you're miserable. Watch God take the bitter and make it better. Verse 27, God moves, he teaches, they grow, they learn, they remember his faithfulness, cry out to him, walk in obedience. Verse 27, then they came to Elam. Someone say Elam. Let's just take a little step back real quick. Sure meant what? Wall, some of you are paying attention. Mara meant what? Want to guess what Elam meant? You know what I meant? Dreamlike oasis. Come on, baby. That's it. Dreamlike oasis. Yes. Elam, Elam, Elam. Like, I want to be in Elam all day. Elam. What does the Bible say? Then they came to Elam. You know how far? Mara's here. Five miles down the road was Elam. They had to get through Mara to get to Elam. God allowed them to pass through that place and brought them to a better place. And look at Elam, had 12 springs, 70 palm trees. They camped there near the water. I think of Psalm 23, it says, he leads me beside quiet waters and he restores my soul. This is what God does in Elam. This is what God does when he brings us through. We got through Mara, we got through the valley, we got through the dry season, we got through the bitterness, but God is working, making us better, restoring us. Someone needs to get to Elam today. And I believe that God is making a way for for you. You don't have to leave this room. You don't have to leave this house. You don't have to go home. You don't have to travel anywhere and plan a flight. God can bring you from Mara to Elam right now by his power, by his spirit. This is what God is at work doing. This is who God is. They can never get there if they're stuck in Mara. And what you get in these times when you're restored, when you feel you get a sense of peace like you've never had before. You get a sense of hope that you've never had before. You get restored in every way, refreshed in God's presence. It's waiting in Elam. But somebody is stuck in Mara today. Someone's stuck in that place and they, they don't know where to go and what to do. Today's the day for God to change your life. I want you to bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning. I'm talking to somebody today here in this room and possibly even online reaching out to wherever the sound of my voice will travel this morning that you're stuck in Mara. You've been in that place. And the only hope for you is God's intervention in your life. And the first and the greatest way that God has done that that he has shown up when you will be willing to call upon his name is he provided his son, Jesus. He provided the cross. Jesus died to rescue us from Mara, to rescue us from that place, to give us a hope and a future, to give us a brand new life and a brand new heart, to allow our sin that has weighed us down, our shame that has covered our past to be forgiven. But what it requires is for us to fully surrender our life to Jesus, for us to make him Lord of our lives, for us to confess our sins to him and say, Lord, I will now follow you all the days of my life. That's what it means to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. That's what it means to be born again. That's what it means to have a brand new life-changing relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And for some of you today, you'll never get to the place that God has for you until you make Jesus first in your life, until you fully surrender your life to him. 
And so I have a, a call to somebody today, and I believe that you're here in this room, that today's the day that you're going to make the greatest decision you've ever made in your life. Today's the day you've not yet surrendered your life to Jesus, and you're saying, Pastor, I'm ready. I'm going to ask you if that is you, to be ready to take a very bold step. I'm going to ask you in just a moment to stand to your feet if that's you, because I want to pray for you, and I want to pray with you. So if that's you, get ready. If today is the day they say, Pastor, I'm stuck in that place, but I'm ready to fully surrender and commit my life to Jesus Christ. If that is you and I'm describing you this morning and you're ready to make that decision, stand to your feet right now, wherever you are in this room. Come on, stand to your feet if that is you right now. Don't let this moment pass you by. If you say, Pastor, that's today is the day. I'm that person. Amen. Praise God. I see you in the balcony. Is there anyone else that today's the day for you? Don't let this moment pass you by. Don't worry about the person on your left or on your right. If that's you, stand to your feet right now. We have four people in our first service that made that decision. And perhaps you're here today. Is there anyone else that you say, Pastor, that's me. Stand to your feet. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid of this moment. can't see your face right now, but would you do this for me? Would you come down here? I want to meet you at this altar right now. Just come on right down. There's a door right there. If there's somebody else, if that's you, I want you to come down in just a moment. I want you to meet me at this altar. I want to have the privilege of praying with you as you make this decision. If today's the day you're saying, I'm fully surrendering my life to Jesus, this will be the greatest day you've ever experienced in your life. Come meet me right here at this altar in just a moment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would everyone else stand to their feet right now all around this room? Thank you, Lord, God. Thank you, Lord, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, Jesus. Edmund. This message is for so many beyond the scope of just those that are making this decision for the first time in their life to fully surrender to Jesus. It's for those that are stuck in Mara, and today is a day that I believe God wants to bring freedom to so many. So here's what you need to do. I'm just going to invite you, take a step, take a step out of your seat, even right now. We're going to worship the Lord. We're going to sing. And would you just take in that step saying, Lord, I'm stepping forward. I'm stepping out. I can't stay here, Lord God. Meet me in this act of faith as I step forward, Lord God. Would you just, would you just help me to get free from tomorrow? Would you just help me, Lord God, to find what I need in you? If that's you, just come to these altars. Just spread out all around here. Pastor Rick's going to lead us for a little while. Let's press in right now. Let's allow this word to take root in our hearts right now. Come on, step out of your seats if that's you. If you know that you're in a place that you just want God to rescue you from, you want him to refresh you, you want him to bring you to Elam, just begin to come and seek him in these moments as we pray and close out. Thank you. We hope you have been challenged and blessed by this message. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com.